0: All right, so for those of you watching online, please make sure you uh, grab your Bibles, and you all here as well can be turning to chapter 41 in Genesis, and we will be covering the first 36 verses this evening. So the title of the teaching this evening is God's Sovereignty at Work. God's sovereignty at work, and we will see that throughout the whole evening. So we're currently, right, reading through the story of Joseph, right? We're kind of taking this journey, and this started in chapter 37 when Joseph had a dream about his family bowing down to him, and then he decides to share it with his family, not always a good idea to share your dreams, not the wisest things to do, but we know kind of just a quick recap what happened through this time. This angered his brothers, as you can imagine, you're the little brother and we're going to bow down to you. Like, uh, I'm not sure what you're thinking, but uh, anyway, so what do they do? One day he's out visiting them in the field with their flocks. And if you remember, they decide to scheme up a plan, right? We're going to throw them into a pit and we'll just let him die. In the pit, right? That that dreamer in his dreams, he could die in that pit. We're never serving him. But then they decided a better plan. We see the Ishmaelites coming, and we could sell him and get some money for him. At least we'll get something for him. So they go ahead, they pull him out of the pit, and they sell him to the Ishmaelites, who we know, then takes him to Egypt where he is sold to Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. So as we're moving through this story, and as we're going through this, you will see the timing and God's purpose in all of this. So in chapter 39, a few weeks ago, Pastor Dave Volkerts taught, uh, and we read that Joseph was blessed by the Lord. We see in verse 2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph, and he prospered in everything he did. And when Potiphar noticed that the Lord had blessed Joseph, he found favor with him. And if you remember, he entrusted him with everything in his house. He was his personal assistant. But one day, we remember the story, he was falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. And he ended up in prison. But here's the interesting thing. We see the sovereignty of God. He ends up in prison along with the king's cupbearer and baker. Here is the providence of God. See, that God would orchestrate the king's servant to be in the same prison at the same time as Joseph. Church, we must always remember, we'll have it on the screen for you, that God's Timing is always perfect. God's timing is always perfect. Now let me remind you, God is never early, and he's never late. We think he's late, but his timing is always perfect. Then the cupbearer and the baker each had a dream while they were in, in prison with Joseph, and Joseph was able to interpret each one's dream. The cupbearer was restored to his position while the baker, if you remember, was impaled. But just, the key is, just as Joseph said it would happen. But the cupbearer forgot all about Joseph until God said it is time the sovereignty of god we see this all through the message what i find interesting at this time joseph must have been wondering what about the dream lord what about the dream but god did not forget joseph in church he has not forgotten you either God always has a plan. And just like Jesus, Joseph ends up saving his people. I just spoiled the ending for us, right? But most of us knows the story. And at this time, as he was thinking about this dream, here he was, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, not once, but twice, falsely accused, and now he's sitting in prison. It's not how he thought the dream would go. But some of you may, feel, may be feeling the same way this evening. I thought the Lord had plans for my life. But here I am feeling like God has abandoned me. Let me encourage you this evening, church. God's silence is not his absence. His silence is not his absence. He is always at work in our lives even when we don't see it. God is at work. The Bible says that we walk by faith, not by sight. No matter how the situation may appear, God is sovereign, and he is working all things together for good. We know that in Romans. I put it on the screen for you. And we know that God causes or he works everything together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. So even though the outward appearance was not favorable for Joseph, God had a mighty plan for his life. And he also has a plan for your life and for my life. So let's get into our text this evening. Genesis 41, verse one. When two full years had passed, let's stop for a minute, two full years. There's two possibilities here. Either two years from when Joseph was originally put into prison or two years from when the cupbearer was released. But I think we would all say either way, that is a long time to be in prison for being falsely accused. Back to verse one. Pharaoh had a dream he was standing by the Nile. Some of you, you may be thinking, the Nile, that sounds familiar. This is the same river that we read later on in Exodus 2 that Moses' mother placed him in a basket in the Nile River where he was found and raised by Pharaoh's daughter. And we know that Moses was also used powerfully by God to deliver his people out of Egypt. Verse 2. When out of the river there came up seven cows, sleek and fat, in other words, nice, healthy cows, and they grazed among the reeds. After them seven other cows, ugly and gaunt, in other words, thin, unhealthy cows, came up out of the Nile and stood beside those on the riverbank. Verse 4. And the cows that were ugly and gaunt ate up the seven sleek, fat cows. Then Pharaoh woke up. So just to recap, Pharaoh has a dream, and he sees these seven healthy cows come out of the Nile, and they're grazing on the reeds. Right? They're having a snack by the river. And at this moment, there's nothing unusual or alarming about Pharaoh's dream. But then... Seven thin, unhealthy cows come out of the river and stand by the healthy cows. Now, if we were watching a movie, this is the moment when the intense music starts to play, right? And you know it's coming, and usually it's not good. But you could just imagine the music, right? I'll just say, like, Jaws. Right When the music starts, we know, oh, this is not going to be good. Then the seven cows, they devour the seven healthy cows. Uh, just for a moment, just kind of put yourself in the story. Imagine you're having this dream. What would you be thinking? Strange, right? Have you ever woken up from a dream and said, whoo, glad that was a dream. I'm sure Pharaoh is thinking the same thing. Verse 5. He, Pharaoh, fell asleep again and had a second dream. Seven heads of grain, healthy and good, were growing on a single stalk. After them, seven other heads of grain sprouted, thin and scorched by the east wind. The thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven healthy, full heads, then Pharaoh Woke up, it had been a dream. So now we see that Pharaoh has a second disturbing dream. A dream where the heads of grain are growing on a stalk. And the same thing happens as the cows the thin heads of grain swallow up the plump, healthy heads. And then Pharaoh woke up and was obviously disturbed. So let's read on, verse 8. In the morning, his mind was troubled. Or some translations would say, his spirit was troubled. See, deep down to the core of his being, his spirit was unsettled. And he was determined to find out the interpretation of his dreams. So that brings us to a question today do all dreams have an interpretation? No. Sometimes it's just a dream. Sometimes it was just the bad pizza we ate, giving us bad dreams. But can God speak through dreams today? Yes, he can. Absolutely. right. And we never want to limit him, but we know that God's primary way of speaking to us is through the word of God. That is his primary way. He also speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. And we will talk about that a little bit later. Circumstances, God can use that to speak to us. But the rest of that is a topic for another evening. Back to verse 8. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them for him. Now we come to a topic that we do not discuss too often, but when it comes up, right, you know how our church is. We're going to talk about it. We read here that Pharaoh called for the magicians. In Pharaoh's day, they would be called soothsayers or the Egyptian priest I want to tell you I really spent much time praying on this before coming to you with this the Hebrew word can also be translated diviner astrologer or magician it means one possessed of occult knowledge it's also might find this interesting where we get our word horoscope. So these magicians, all right, they would be called Egyptian priests, were connected with the spiritual world. But we must remember the spiritual world consists of two domains the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Right? Light in darkness. There is no in-between. In Exodus 7, we see these two worlds colliding. This happened when Moses and Aaron were confronting Pharaoh about letting their people go. So we'll have it on the screen for you so we can read through it. It's a little bit long, but I think you'll understand where we're going. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and did just as the Lord commanded. Aaron threw his staff down in front of Pharaoh and his officials, and it became a snake. Pharaoh then summoned wise men and sorcerers, and the Egyptian magician, same word, also did the same thing by their secret arts. Each one threw down his staff, and it became a snake but Aaron's staff swallowed up their staffs. Here we see the supernatural act of God, right? Turning Aaron's staff into a snake, but notice we also see the supernatural imitation of Satan turning the magician's staff into a snake. Do we not see two worlds colliding right here? The kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of light. But the work of God, church, always prevails. Notice Aaron's staff swallows up the magician's staff. No matter how the situation may look, God is always in control of every situation. And if we keep reading in Exodus, you see the magicians mimicking the plagues that God was supernaturally performing through Moses. But what I see is pretty silly is these magicians were turning the water into blood. They were creating more frogs. Now, does that make much sense? I don't understand that, but that's kind of silly. But they were operating all of these plagues, the snakes, We're operating in the power of Satan, which is never greater, church, than the power of God. And we always keep that in mind. God's power is greater than Satan's power. We have nothing to be concerned about. But what about today? Can we open the doors of oppression from satan. There are many things in this world today that are rooted in the occult and demonic world. And unfortunately, many people including Christians, right, are unaware that they are exposing themselves to the kingdom of darkness. I'll just share a few with you. Ouija boards, horoscopes, tarot cards, psychic readings. Can participating in these things really tap into the spiritual world? Absolutely, they can. The spiritual world of darkness. And that's why God gave us a warning in his word, very clear. This is out of Leviticus. It says, "Do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or to those who consult the spirits of the dead." It says, "I am the Lord your God." See, any of these things can open the doors for demonic activity in our lives. See, even though we can't see it, the spiritual world is real. Paul talking about spiritual warfare in Ephesians 6 says, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We don't wrestle against people, but we wrestle against the spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Church, it is real. Do we focus on it? No, it's not a focus, but we need to be aware that it is real. The only one that we should be communicating with in the spiritual world is God through the Holy Spirit. Anything or anyone besides that is from the evil one. There is only two worlds. Now, I spent much time praying about this, I can tell you, before sharing this with you. I want you to really hear my heart on this. And my desire for you is to be aware of the possibility of opening our lives to the world of darkness. Most people know what most of our country and many people celebrated yesterday. Halloween. But most people have no clue that Halloween is rooted in The demonic world. Okay, now I'm going to give you a little background information just so you can hear. This isn't coming from me, but this is facts. It was known as All Hallows Eve by the Celtics when the dead were remembered. They believed that that at this time the barriers between the natural world and the supernatural were broken and the dead could walk among the living, and listen to this, reveal secrets of the future. This was considered a magical time for them when significant battles were fought and fairies would cast spells. They burned fruits, vegetables, grain, and even animals to their pagan gods. And just look at how it's celebrated today. We can't even turn on the television this time of year without seeing evil, and let's be real, sometimes horrific images. I saw the title of an article last week that caught my attention. Because I knew I was teaching on this, but this is what it said hitch hiking ghost florida tour guide says spirits follow people home and i would tell you most people would just laugh right that's not real they would just laugh but church we know this is real They have opened the door to the spiritual world of darkness and these evil spirits have followed them home and they have no idea. As I was praying about this and I was talking to my wife, we talked through this and I really wonder, this is just me, I wonder how many people are oppressed, depressed, Or even have anxiety because they've dabbled in the dark realm, the darkness, the spiritual world. See, we must remember there's only two worlds, right? There is no in between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. We have to just ask ourselves, what? Is the spirit behind Halloween a holy or unholy spirit? See, as followers of Jesus, we don't want to expose ourselves and open our lives to anything that is in opposition to the kingdom of God. Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 6 that light and darkness do not coexist. We know if we go into a dark room, you go home tonight, the room is dark, you turn on the switch, what happens? The light expels the darkness, and whatever is in the room is exposed, because that's what the light does. Ephesians 5, Paul would say, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them, right? Turn on the light to expose them. And that's what I am doing tonight, just revealing truth and exposing darkness. You know, Paul would say to the Corinthians, all things are lawful for me. In other words, all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. So I want to be clear. I am not saying that participating in Halloween is a sin. Okay? And Paul would say in Romans 8, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I can assure you, church, there is no condemnation coming from this pulpit this evening. I am here to educate you because I love you and I care about you. That's why I share this information with you. If anyone at the end of service would like to just discuss a few things, feel free to come up and just talk to me, pray with me. I'd be more than willing to just sit down and pray with you. All right, let's move on in verse eight. So he sent for all the magicians and wise men of Egypt. Pharaoh told them his dreams but no one could interpret them for him. So here we see neither the magicians nor the wise men of Pharaoh's day could interpret his dreams. See, this is where the story takes a turn for Joseph. He's been in prison for a minimum of two years in slavery Pastor Dave Barnes said last week, right, for over 13 years, going all the way back to the Ishmaelites, probably discouraged and wondering, what is God doing in my life? Let's read on. Verse 9. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, Today, I am remembered of my shortcomings. His memory came back. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each one of us had a dream that same night. Each dream had a meaning of its own, verse 12. Now a young Hebrew, hmm, remember that, was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard. We told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream and things turned out exactly as he interpreted them for us. I was restored to my position, and the other man was impaled. Here we see the sovereignty of God at work, the title of our teaching. As I said before, God orchestrated the cupbearer to be in prison as the same time as Joseph, and God would give him a dream that Joseph would interpret. Although he had forgotten all about Joseph, suddenly his memory comes back. He remembers there was a Hebrew boy with me in prison. That's right. He told me my dream, and it was true and accurate. And I could just see some excitement in him. I could just see him going and saying, There is hope, Pharaoh. I know of a man that can help because nobody's helping. But we see God at work through the entire story. Verse 14. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph and he was quickly brought from the dungeon when he had shaved and changed his clothes. And he came before Pharaoh. So shaving Joseph's head, was in accordance with the Egyptian custom. So a little bit of information for us. History tells us that the shaving of the head and the beard was not just for the Egyptian priest, but was common for all people. Aren't we glad we don't have that custom here, right? All the guys would have shaved heads, and those of you with beards, be no beards. Anyways, so they would shave his head, clean him up, give him clean clothes, to make him presentable to Pharaoh. Verse 15, Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream and no one can interpret it, but I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. 16, this is the key right here. Underline, highlight, I cannot do it. Joseph replied to Pharaoh, but God will give Pharaoh the answer he desires. Amen. I like how the New Living Translation says that it is beyond my power to do this. See, Joseph is very clear that he is unable to do this himself, but God God will reveal the dreams. Here we see the humility of Joseph. He doesn't want to take credit for the ability to interpret Pharaoh's dreams. He knows that this is a supernatural revelation from God. So a point for us tonight, if you're taking notes, always give God the glory for your gifts and accomplishments. We want to always be pointing back to God. Because without God, we wouldn't be doing anything. James says every good gift and perfect gift is from above. So we saw his humility when he interpreted the dreams for the cupbearer. And we also saw it last week in chapter 40, verse 8. It says, do not interpretations belong to God. Pastor Dave Barnes taught us about that last week. In other words, Joseph says, interpreting dreams is God's business. And if God doesn't interpret the dream, it is not meant to be known. Joseph would not steal God's glory. And we know that the Bible tells us that God says he will not share his glory With anyone. We're not to take the glory that belongs to God. James 4 6 says to us that God resists the proud. In other words, those who take his glory, he resists them, but he gives grace to the humble. God gives grace to the humble. Jesus said in John 15, 5, most of you know it, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We can do nothing apart from God. Jesus said you can't produce any fruit, and you can't do anything if you are not abiding in me, Joseph was completely relying upon God to interpret these dreams. And he knew if God does not interpret this revelation, he has nothing to say to Pharaoh. And his life, it's likely over. Now, Pharaoh is going to share his dream with Joseph in verses 17 to 23. Don't worry, we're not going to reread the dream. We're going to go and pick up, skip down to verse 24. This is kind of the end of the dream, but we'll pick it up here. It says, the thin heads of grain swallowed up the seven good heads. I told this to the magicians, but none of them could explain it to me. I was thinking about this, doing a little bit of research. And I want to give you, as well as I gave myself, something to ponder. Why couldn't the wise men of Egypt interpret Pharaoh's dreams? Especially since they were the experts in this area. You might be saying, what do you mean? See, for these wise men... They fully understood the process of agriculture. Pastor Dave could teach us a little bit on that. And that cows represented prosperity. Okay, so we're just going to think about this process. So it seems likely that they would have been a simple explanation for these wise men. That unhealthy cows devouring healthy cows would mean that a famine would swallow up the prosperity of the land. So as I was thinking about that, it just reminded me, even if these wise men could have understood this explanation, God would prevent them from interpreting these dreams because he had a divine appointment for Joseph. The title, God's Sovereignty at Work. So we can be encouraged, church. I know I said it before, but even though we don't see it, God is at work in our lives behind the scenes. We sing a song, right? Waymaker. We sing it. God is at work even when we don't see it. Now we're going to see, as we continue reading, the supernatural revelation of God at work in Joseph's life. Just to remember, Joseph said, it is not me. I can't interpret the dreams, but God can. He gives God all the glory. What these magicians and wise men could not do, God would do through Joseph, showing himself strong on Joseph's behalf. Second Chronicles sixteen nine says, the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. And Joseph had a loyal heart to God. Did you know, church, God is looking for people just to say, your heart is loyal to me. Let me show myself strong on behalf of my servant. He's looking for people. Verse 25. Then Joseph said to Pharaoh, the dreams of Pharaoh are one and the same. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good heads of grain are seven years. It is one and the same dream. Then the seven lean, ugly cows that came up afterwards are seven years years. And so are the seven worthless heads of grain scorched by the east wind. They are the seven years of famine. Verse 28, it is just as I said to Pharaoh, God has known Pharaoh, God has shown Pharaoh what he is about to do. So as we said, God doesn't typically speak to us through dreams, although he can, but God typically reveals things to us through the Holy Spirit who abides in us. And I will show that to you. Look at these words from Jesus on the screen. John 16 and 13. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And look at the last part of this. I don't think we always realize this last part. And he will tell you things to come. The Spirit of God will reveal to us things to come. And right before this, Jesus said to his disciples, it is to your benefit that I go away. For if I go away and I depart, I will send the Holy Spirit to you. The helper, the counselor, the comforter. He will come to you. And not only that, we just read that he will reveal things to come. In other words, if you're writing down notes tonight, the Holy Spirit gives discernment in every decision we need to make. The Holy Spirit gives discernment for every decision we need to make. I'll say some of you here tonight are praying about marrying someone. Praying about changing your job, praying about moving to a new city. God already knows what our future looks like, whether good or bad. And many times, the outcome is determined by the decisions that we make today. See, the decisions we make determines the outcome that comes tomorrow. And since God already knows the future and the Spirit of God reveals things to come to us, we need to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit because He already knows what's coming tomorrow. And we just read, the Spirit will reveal things to come. Verse 29. Seven years of great abundance are coming throughout the land of Egypt. But seven years of famine will follow them. Then all the abundance in Egypt will be forgotten, and the famine will ravage the land. So the abundance in the land will not be remembered because the famine that followed it was so severe. Verse 32. The reason the dream was given to Pharaoh in two forms is that the matter has been firmly decided by God and God will do it soon. So Joseph interprets Pharaoh's dreams and he tells him that the two dreams have the same meaning. The interpretation is simple. There will be seven years of prosperity followed by seven years of famine. But Joseph goes on to say in our passage, don't, don't miss this, this is key, that this matter has been firmly decided by God. In other words, This is God's sovereign will that cannot be changed. It cannot be changed. We must remember that this story is not about Pharaoh and a famine. This story is all about Joseph and God positioning him to save his people. God had a plan and a purpose and when God has established something, his sovereign will, nothing, church, nothing, Satan, demons, angels, or man can stop the plans of God. Amen? Nothing can stop the plans of God. Now Joseph gives Pharaoh the plan for the Egyptians to survive the famine. Ultimately, we know that God is the one who revealed the plan to Joseph. And the same is true for you and for me. When we don't know what to do and we need wisdom, right? we need a plan because we don't know what to do. James tells us to ask of God and he will generously give us the wisdom and discernment that we need. He just says, come to me, just ask and I will freely give it to you. Verse 33. And now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They would collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store up the grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. Verse 36. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come upon Egypt so that the country may may not be ruined by the famine. So here he gives the plan. Pretty simple. He says, for survival, you need to store up one-fifth or 20% of all the crops during the years of prosperity in preparation for the years of famine. And Joseph advises Pharaoh that he needs a discerning and wise man to oversee this process. Now, do you think Pharaoh is comfortable asking the same wise men to oversee this process? Probably not. But you'll have to come back next week to get the rest of the story. (laughs) But as I've already said, I already spoiled it, we already know that this story is all about Joseph and God's sovereignty, and how he uses Joseph to save his people. Yet, there is one greater than Joseph. There is one greater than Joseph who came to save his people. And we know, church, right? That is Jesus Christ. He came to save his people, he had a sovereign plan. He has a plan for you and for me. If you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. That you know that you know that you know. The first John says, you know that you have salvation. If you don't walk out of here tonight and you know that you don't have salvation, I just ask you to please just come down and talk to me. And we could just pray together. Let us pray. Father, we we come boldly to the throne of grace and mercy. We thank you for the living, powerful word of God that changes lives. It changes souls from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. Father, I just thank you that your word is powerful. Just pray that you would encourage each and every one in this room this evening, and for all those watching online as well. God, that you would bless them and keep them. May your face shine upon them, be gracious to them, lift your countenance upon them, and give them peace. God bless you all, and we'll see you this weekend.